Marissa Norcross. And I'm Dave Freund, and this is The Next Page. Marissa, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm terrific. I actually saw, yes, because, and wait till you hear why. Because I saw something pop up on my phone that as of the day that we're recording this, it's only 50 days till Christmas. Oh, wow. This is exciting. Is that not exciting? (laughs) That is very, I think so by the time this podcast comes out, I think it'll be 45 days. So, well, you know, and I'm, you know, but now I say that maybe I was just jumping the gun on something is it really 50 i think it, it is be because i recently saw like a 55 day all right so hey so woohoo! i think we must be um and it is i know we talked about this last week it is so weird to me with just this weather that i am very thrown off by what month it is by what day it is i right uh, i'm looking out my window right now and like the sun is out and there are some leaves on the ground, but not as many as yes. I would expect. I, I love going back through my camera roll and seeing like different seasons. And I know at this time, like four years ago when Isla was one year old, we had raked so many leaves and put her in them and did all these, you know, photo shoots of the leaves. And I'm like, there's no way we could do that right now with the few leaves we have. So right. I'm very thrown off, but... I am, you know, I know I said that October is always my favorite, but here we are in November right. and it's almost like a bonus time yes. for me. <laughs> yes. It, 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 you know, it is. And it, it's really the, the weather. We finally got some cold weather, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, it's, it's still, it's great. It is. Yeah. So I just confirmed 50 days till Christmas. Oh, Wow. I have a lot to do. So, have, <laughs> I was going to say, have you put your Christmas lights up yet? Oh, I left them on. Didn't I tell you? You left? <laughs> no. Because you used to, we used to have this thing where there was a certain day, like in the spring, when you took them down. I decided that where they were, they were very difficult to see because the trees are so big and tall that I never, it didn't bother me. So I just, I removed the extension wow. cord and left them on. So this weekend, we're going to make sure they all still work but they were all new lights last year and if they don't work we're going to have a problem if they do work i'm going to just (laughs) think like i'm such a genius for you are well i'm i probably will at least set mine up tomorrow because it's supposed to be a little bit nicer day um i probably and i will test them I, i won't turn them on yet no i won't turn them on i'm just going to test them but i want them ready mm-hmm So, today, great communicators. Mm -hmm. So, what were you thinking when you got that post from me? I I didn't think we'd be talking, we'd be at least, you know, introducing Ronald Reagan again, but he's back on the the podcast. (laughs) Um, We brought him back from the dead. (laughs) Yes, and I thought, oh no. I'm going to be useless for another podcast. But then no, 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 as no, no. we continue, I continued to read, um, you know, today we're sharing seven important pieces of communication um, or to being a, a great communicator, I a should say. A great communicator, right. And yeah. I think that this is so important. Um, it's something I think about a lot. Obviously, I'm in the communications field, um, mm-hmm. but I think... It's more than that to me. I think I just think communicating is so important. I also 
um, think I have a lot of work to do in that area. I think a lot of us do um, because communication right. is so variable. Like you can be a great yes. written communicator, but not the best verbal communicator. Or you could, you know, you could be um, a great communicator in situations where you have a lot of time to prepare and maybe mm-hmm. not a great communicator on the fly or, right. you know, at home versus at work. Um there are just so many different things that go into communication. And I think that there's always an exactly. opportunity to work on communication. Exactly. You know, I was um, earlier this afternoon, I was doing a 360 summary report with a gentleman from a, a plant in the, in the Buffalo region. And in his 360, people said his written communication is great. His verbal communication needs work. Mm-hmm. And, and that clearly is like a delivery issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you can write down the right kind of words, the right words are coming to you. But clearly he has some struggles, I think, in the delivery side. Uh, what, you know, I'm, because I'm a student of leadership, I always look for things that will enhance my leadership. Mm-hmm. And communication is critical. If you can't communicate, you can't lead. Mm-hmm. And, and I, like you, I, I know there's always room for me to improve my communications. You know, and, and most of our listeners know that you know, I do, I do my teaching. I do some, some speaking. Um, I do a significant amount of writing over the last six years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also a pastor. And so I've, I, you know, I have the responsibilities of, of speaking on a regular basis. And I'm all, whenever I have a talk to give or a teaching to give, I'm thinking about how am I going to connect well? You know, because it doesn't, we don't want to just listen to somebody talk. We, we, and this is, this is why Ronald Reagan was known as the great communicator. He connected with people so well. And that's really the only reference to Reagan was because I thought <laughs> about it. When I, when I saw these seven points, mm-hmm. I thought, that was Reagan. Mm-hmm. He really did it. So the first one that we have in here is great communicators start with affirming the people they are speaking. They basically make sure that they're looking for things that people are doing well whether it's activities, something they're doing, whether it's skill sets they have. And what they do is they, they basically affirm to this person that the person has value. And it connects with a person's need for a self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So when you do that, automatically, and, and you can tell, you can tell when you're listening to a talk and the person does something from the beginning that draws you in and makes you feel like you're part of the story. And that's this first key piece. If you can't draw people in by saying what they do well or what they've done well, you really can't make a great connection with them. The second one is great communicators search for the things people can relate to. And, you know, I I remember once hearing years ago, the greatest teacher, if you ask people who's the greatest teacher that ever lived, people are going to say Jesus Christ was the greatest teacher that ever lived. He taught in parables. And he taught in parables because they were things people could relate to. So one of the things that I always do, um, especially if I'm doing in any of my teaching in my classes, even if it's I was going to say when I do an onsite, but even when I when I do an open enrollment, I'll look at the companies that are present in the class. So if it's you know I've just finished four weeks of an onsite for a member company, and I knew what their company did. And I knew a little bit about their company history. And you kind of, you want to focus on products, 
that type of thing. If it's an open enrollment, I'll look at the companies that are listed in the class and I'll make sure that when I'm delivering content, I make it relevant. I connect it to something with their company. Mm-hmm. Um, it just because and, and maybe it's easy when you get to be my age because you've been around for a while and you've, <laughs> you've connected with a lot of companies. So it probably is easier, I would say, because of that. But but find these things people can relate to. Make it make it relevant to them, whether it's a yogurt plant in New Berlin, which would be Chobani. You know, or an injection molding plant in Auburn, like Courier Plastics. You just, you just make it relevant for them. Um, great communicators take the time to enlarge people's view of the vision. So if if great leaders, you you cannot over communicate vision because vision leaks, and I've said that multiple times on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You have to continually revisit the vis- the vision. What's the vision? Why is the vision? You know. And what great leaders do, or great communicators do, is they know how to expand the vision. They, they, they describe where they believe the organization needs to go or what the dream is or what the purpose is. And, and, and what the, the reason why you do that is that your team, your people, will enhance the vision. And they will take your thoughts to a place that maybe you hadn't even thought as they build on the statements that you've had for the vision that, that you want to share with them. And then the next one, and this is, this is something that, and I, and I put here, great communicators do something that is tragically missing today. They use inclusive language. They draw people together. And if you think about, you know, I, all of our listeners should just jump on YouTube and look at some headlines, you know, find some headlines and listen to people that are speaking. If you just take the last election, which would be by the time this comes out, it'd be a couple weeks old, um, and and see how many times people are speaking inclusively or divisively. Mm-hmm. Most everything you hear is division based. That's our problem. That's why Ronald Reagan could win forty nine out of fifty states. He won 525 electoral votes compared to Walter Mondale's 13. Flat out, it was because Reagan was inclusive. And in, 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 in he, he connected to things that everybody could connect with. He, he talked about things that everybody could connect with. And maybe the lesson, I guess we are going back to Reagan, even more than I thought. So his <laughs> nine years, I think it was, of hosting General Electric's uh, Sunday evening movie, weekly movie, Mm-hmm. He, he visited every single GE plant in the country and spoke to a quarter of a million employees. So he knew exactly what the American people were thinking. And if you want to be a leader and you're not spending enough time with your people to know what you need to know about them, their hopes, their dreams, their beliefs, their past, their future, you can't speak. Because inclusive means I connect to all of these people. And it's, it's what's really neat is when you've been in a room, and all of us have, if you think about it, you've been in a room where people spoke inclusively. It's just such a good place to be. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people are drawn to, to inclusive leaders. Um, great communicators offer encouragement and hope. Now, it's, it's ironic that Napoleon was the guy that said we need to be de- great leaders, our dealers in hope. But 
and this isn't positivity. This is this, and I think I I talked about this back when we were going through our leading in times of crisis. That positivity would be sheltering in place can be fun, mm-hmm. you know, well only for a few weeks or a few days, right? And then all of a sudden we're like, no, I want to get outside. But but hope is saying is is helping people understand based on what we've been through and what we're able to accomplish. There will be a better day coming. So that's the, the, the encouragement and hope. Great communicators understand the need for anchoring their message with things from the past. Since the future's unknown, we anchor from things in the past. You know, that's why when we did leading in time, through challenging times, um, I, I talked about, you know, what are the things you've been through? That's anchoring in the past. Uh, it could be family heritage. It could be company heritage. You know, how many companies? We've got quite a few member companies that are over 100 years old. We do. And that's exciting. And mm-hmm. I re- Well, and Self-Lock just turned 100. Um, I think it was last year, um, maybe a year and a half ago. And, <clears throat> and I remember one of, the thi- one of the great moments for me when I was uh, president of Self-Lock was Carrier Corporation had just decided they were going to leave town. Most of their manufacturing was going to leave town. And they were a large supplier of ours. And I was, rightfully so, I was concerned. You know, man, what are we going to do? And Gene Kessner, who was an anchor or reporter for Channel 9 News, came to visit us. My guess is Carrier gave them a list of suppliers. And she so she interviewed me, and she was sitting in, and my office was a, it was a horrible old office. That plant was awful. Thankfully, we were able to upgrade quite a bit. Um, but, you know, sitting in this old office and, and after the cameras had finished rolling and, and you know, the, the cameraman was putting his equipment away, and she looked at me and she goes, Dave, you guys are going to be fine. I said, Gene, how do you know that? She said, look what you've been through. Mm-hmm. You were founded in 1920. You went through the Great Depression. You know, in the 20s, even before the crash, the company went through a bankruptcy. She said, you've had, all your, you've had all these employees that have gone off to war. I saw the plaque where you honored the people that had served in the, in the military during World War II. She said, you've been through all, you know, the Korean conflict, the Vietnam conflict. You know, and she said, this is just another season or something like that mm-hmm. that you're going to go through. You're gonna... She anchored me in the past so that I would have some courage. Um, lastly, great communicators always have a call to action. And this is what a lot of communicators miss. There's a lot of, and maybe this is why, like if somebody would say to me, you're a motivational speaker, I would not take that as a compliment. Because a motivational speaker makes you feel good, but after they're gone, you don't know why. Mm-hmm. A motivational teacher is someone that, teaches you that makes you feel good and teaches you why things you can do to continually feel better and and move forward and gives you this this path of action this call to action that you could take so that that i think is is key if you know and the best leaders know how to do that they know how to immobilize or they know how to mobilize not immobilize they know how to mobilize the troops so get their people active in doing something getting people to go out and I, I'm thinking of one of our member companies that encourages their employees and actually gives them time off to
to go work in the community. That's what we're talking about here. Calls to action that will help help further the vision of the, of the company and or the organization mm-hmm. that you're around. So let me review them again. Great communicators start with affirming the people they're speaking with. Got to build them up. Great communicators search for things that people can relate to. And then they make that connection. Great communicators take time to enlarge the people's view of the vision. Great communicators do something, again, that's tragically missing today. They use inclusive language. Great communicators offer encouragement and hope. Great communicators understand the need for anchoring their message with things from the past. People just love history. Trust me. Marissa, even you love history. <laughs> you, just, you just weren't aware of it when you were in school. Exactly. Because you talk about it. You talk about mm-hmm. your grandparents and where your grandparents mm-hmm. came from. Um, and lastly, great communicators always have a call to action. So that's it. So I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Um, about yourself and your communication. So... Mm-hmm. Do you think that of these seven, that there is one of them that you're particularly good at, that you feel you're strongest at? Um, I I think I think there I think there's one that comes easier for me mm-hmm. or easier to me. Might be to be the the communicator that offers encouragement and hope. Um, I, I think that. I think I generally have a bias for positive, hopeful, encouraging kind of things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I was been, torn between two for you. I was thinking um, between that one and great communicators search for things that people can relate to because I think you are mm. very good. Uh, you are a very good storyteller and you're able to help kind of talk to people in a way that makes them feel okay connected to okay to you know whatever you're communicating um yeah, but my second that. but i was kind of tied on that one for you with okay. they offer encouragement and hope it, is there one that is difficult for you or or um more difficult than the others for you yeah um <clears throat> i don't always do a good job of the call to action because I forget. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens is I, I get so wrapped up in <laughs> the message that I want to give. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I learned, too, was um, in some of our John Maxwell training was whenever you're going to go, whether it's a teaching, a keynote address, a speech, whatever, you're stop thinking about what you want to tell people. Mm-hmm. Focus on what people need to hear. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference. And the only way to know what people need to hear is to get to know them and to ask them. Mm-hmm. And I did share this this in one of our podcasts. I'm pretty sure I did. But but during during the the the, the first lockdown of the pandemic, John Maxwell was asked to go speak to like an association of 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 um, mayors. It was like a mayor's conference. And he had his whole talk set up. And when he started, you know, he always will get there early so he can talk with the people that are there. He wants to connect with the people that are there. And he realized that they all were concerned about what was going on. 
So he completely abandoned his talk, and instead of even, he usually uses it like a, a, a um, like a, a, what do they call it? A cocktail table with a high stool. That's usually what he sits at when he does a talk. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, he sat on the front of the stage, you know, with his feet hanging down. He got closer to the group. And he said, I think you guys have some questions. Guys and gals have some questions. I want to talk to you. What are you concerned with? And that was a great lesson. In what do people need to hear? Not what did you come to say? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get so wrapped up in the message and even trying to make sure I'm giving them what they need to hear that I forget the call to action. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. I, sometimes I say that I'm like an over-communicator. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I, I feel like I have so much to share or like I want to present so many options when in reality like less might be more. Yeah. And then it's easy to get kind of wrapped up in like just getting that all out. Yes. Yeah. And if you, one of the things that's really great, I, I remember um, in, in the, the most recent book about Reagan that I read was that he told his speechwriters, I don't want a speech more than 25 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Now, his State of the Union's probably went longer than that. It might have only been 25 minutes worth of content, but by the time you get the congressman standing up and applauding, mm-hmm. it can easily, you know, double the time. Um, but, the other thing is don't, you know, I've heard, and I've heard people say this, two, maybe three main points mm-hmm. in a talk and no more. And it's, it's kind of like you set the stage for what it is you'd like to say, then you say what you want to say, then you say what you said and what they should do with that information, mm-hmm. which is probably the most ideal way. But I can, yeah, I can, I can understand that you, where you feel like you need to give too much. And, you know, you can see it like you've been in talks where the presenter wants to give way too much information. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, man, I wish they would finish off. <laughs> you know, especially yeah. if it's around a dinner. Like I remember sitting through, you know, dinners where there's a keynote that somebody's giving and you're like, finish, I want to eat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um. Are there is there one of these that you think you do really well? I'm I'm kind of torn. Um possibly great communicator search for things that people can relate to. Mhm. But I don't I, what do you think? You know, I I do think that one for you because I think you 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 really take the time to get to know people. Mhm. And you know a lot about people. Mhm. And the only reason why you would do that is because you want to make that connection with them. I mean, like, I'm always surprised at how much you know about my grandkids, (laughs) you know, and it's not, you're not getting it from me. It's you're getting to know my family. Yeah. And so I like, and I don't know how you know them that well, but you do. And and Mm -hmm. so that just tells me that you're very interested in people. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and so, yeah, that would, that would. I think that would be something. Now, I think I do think that you're good at calling people to action. I I think I think so too. I I think I am. Because any meeting that I'm in with you, I end up with a task at the <laughs> end of the meeting. So. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people would say that about. <laughs> and me. there's an Asana reminder that's going to pop up and say, "Hey, did you remember to?" <laughs> Just kidding. No, but there's truth in that, right? Def- definitely truth in that. So, you know, this was a, it really wasn't all about Reagan, um, but it's a topic that I really think 
leaders need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And I, this that the one in there about the inclusive language. Mm-hmm. You no, know, if if our political leaders would just learn that, they could make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And could get us moving in the same direction again. I agree. Which would be awesome. Mm-hmm. So I do not have any clue what I'm talking about next week. That's okay. But this thing, I didn't know about this one until just a few days ago and just mm-hmm. kind of hit me as mm-hmm. I was. But something will, something will strike me for sure. You'll start Hopefully feeling festive, strike... you know. Ah, I will. <laughs> and you'll become festive. very inspired. <laughs> I will. You know, I'll be stringing those lights around the tree behind my house and, yes, mm-hmm. and along the fence by the road. Mm-hmm. That something, oh, wow, that's, I, that's, yeah, that could be, See, and that... it won't be a thousand points of light, which was a Reagan, oh. I promise. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> no, no more. We're, we're, I think we're going to, we're going to let him rest for a while. <laughs> Anything exciting coming up? No, not really. Just, you know, working through our fall list. Um, awesome. And I, you know, I can't believe that winter will be here soon enough. So, yeah, um, it will. You know, we're, we're getting outside still, which is so nice, so important for me. And Yep. Great. Yeah. Super. Well, until then, till next week, whenever then is, I'm Dave Freund. <laughs> I'm Marissa Norcross. And this was the next day. Not the next day, the next page. Wow. This is the next page.